This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. You love your job, and in fact, you are your job. What would God say to you? He would say, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. But be careful that your work doesn't define you. Be careful that your work has not become your idol. That your work is what you trust and serve and obey. Today. 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 With Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Hello, my name is Bill, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. We're about to hear the rest of a message from Pastor Jeff. He's in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about our attitude towards work. Jeff offers encouragement to help us understand what work God wants us to do. Let's hear the rest of this message now. Here's Pastor Jeff. So your work, you're tied to it. It's your significance and identity. And by having the job and being successful, you've convinced yourself that you exist, that you matter, that you're important. Now, listen carefully. Both of these attitudes about your work will kill you. Both of them will kill you ultimately. The first attitude is a lack of trust. I can't trust God to provide and take care of me. So I gotta go and work for this master, this ball and chain, so I can get the money. Work is an awful curse. I don't really wanna do it, but I have to have the money to, to do the things I wanna do. And, and it'll never be enough for you, ever. And you'll always be afraid that God won't provide. The second attitude, I can't really trust God to fill this void that I have of insignificance. You're gonna work yourself to death trying to prove to the world and to yourself that you matter. And when you think that you've got all the cars and boats and houses, then you'll look around and say, they got to notice me now. They've got to honor me and respect me and value me. And now I can honor and value and respect myself. Both of these attitudes will destroy you. The first one, because you're going to be filled with constant worry and anxiety that you have enough. And the second one, because burnout will eventually get you. You can't keep those hours. You can't keep working like that. And you will die. Oh, eventually you will die. Stress, heart attack. Do you know that Berkeley has had some interesting students over its history, haven't they? Anybody remember this guy, Andrew Martinez? That's the only photo I could find on Google where he was wearing clothes because Andrew Martinez believed that you should not have to wear clothes and attended Berkeley class for four years with no clothes. It's the only university you could get away with that. He said it was his right not to wear clothes. Now, he got arrested in the public arena when he strayed off campus a few times and basically ended up in an insane asylum and took his own life. But I read a story recently of a student who went berserk at Berkeley. 
and stood up in class and began running around, true story, and saying, they're getting ahead of me. They're getting ahead of me. I'm falling behind. I'm falling behind. He's losing it. Because it's not only important for him to be successful, he has to be the most successful. And they're reading in the library, so they're, they're, they're gaining more knowledge. They're working out in the gym. They're getting stronger. And he literally lost his mind because his identity was tied to being the best at everything. Know anybody like that? So first, you have to transform your view of work. It's not a curse. It's your calling. And second, you've got to transform your view of the aim of your work. It's not about self-fulfillment, but the stewardship of the gifts God has given you. And if you get those two things down, it's not a curse. It's a calling. I'm to use my gifts to glorify God. Then most of the problems you have at the workplace will dissipate. This is why the Bible says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Why? Because work is a calling. What does that mean? It means that God has given you certain talents and abilities that match the purpose for which you came into the world. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, before you were born, God knew you. He set you apart. He gave you talents and gifts and abilities before you even came into the world while you were in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 says, now stay with me, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Two awesome Hebrew words. Wonderfully made means that you were there are intricate detail in you. You know, your temperament, your personality, the way you respond to things, God put that in your mother's womb and when you operate in the talents and the giftings that God has given you, guess what? People are going to stand back and they're going to be in awe. That's what fearfully refers to our word awesome. You're going to be awesome and people are going to want to be like you. God has put things in your, look, all right, cut to the chase. Every single one of you in this room has a passion in you that started very young. But too many of you, because you couldn't figure out every detail of how that could happen, gave up on it and settled for cash. And you did something else. And it's killing you. Because your talent and the way God gifted you and your passion aren't working together. Because when they do, you're going to get incredible fulfillment out of your job. It's a lack of trust. Because here's what work is really about. What did God gift me to do? And what is my passion to do? And when they match, it's beautiful. Let me give you an example. Let's juxtaposition two people, Eric Little and Harold Abrahams. They're both working for the prize. It's in the movie Chariots of Fire. They're both stretching and straining and working hard. They want to be a gold medalist in running. They're doing the same work and the same training, but with a totally different perspective. Let me compare it in two statements. First, by Eric Little speaking to his sister, Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand, I believe God made me for China, and he does end up going to China as a missionary later, but he also made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's the Christian view of work. The Christian view of work, it's, it's a calling. He says, God made me this way, and the aim is not for money, but to please God, to honor God. God made me run. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. I'm pleasing him because I'm doing what he made me to do. Now contrast that with Harold Abraham's statement where he says, I have never known contentment. I'm forever in pursuit and I don't even know what I'm chasing. All right, time for the rubber hit the road. Everybody in the room answer a very personal question. In your work right now, what is the language of your heart? 
Are you this way? Man, I love doing what I do. Yeah, it has ups and downs, and it has different, but I love it because I know God gifted me, and there's an energy and a passion that's unexplainable, and I'm beginning to discover how God wired me and how he gifted me, and I know now how what I do is making a significant contribution to the world, and when I work, I feel his pleasure. Is that you? Or are you more, this job stinks. <laughs> I'd like to kill my boss, but I'm a Christian, so I can't. <laughs> I wonder if I can do it and get forgiveness. I'm working like a dog, and I don't even know what I'm working for, and there's no joy or contentment in this. Which one are you closer to? You may not fit perfectly in either one, but which one are you closer to? Because if you're like Harold Abrahams, you've got to ask, am I working for the money? Have I sold my soul for a bowl of soup? Am I in this for money? And am I burning myself out because I'm trying to define myself by my work? Now, here's my gut. Oh, man, stay with me. Here's my gut. That most of you in the room, the problem is this. Your passion and your giftings don't correspond well in the job that you're working. You sold your soul for some cash. I'm going to do this because I, I like the money. But you hate it. And you weren't gifted and it's not your passion. Your passion and giftings. That's when you get somebody like a Johannes Gutenberg who was a German blacksmith, goldsmith, printer, and a publisher. He believed that reading should not be merely for the elite, that everybody should have access to reading materials, especially the Bible, so he invented the printing press. His gifting, printer and publisher, his holy discontent, everybody should have access to reading. So here's what I wanna do, here's what I'm gonna finish. Listen, please. Every one of you fit in these four. You do. Just know I'm saving the best for last for you in your 20s. Number one, you hate your job. What would God say to you? Here's what he would say. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. He would say, let your light shine before men. Pray and ask God why he's placed you there. Make the most out of every opportunity. Speak to me, God would say, and I will open your eyes to the contribution you can make for my kingdom right where you are. And then he would say to you, Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. It's a cause and effect. God says, be faithful where you are and maybe I'll promote you. How would it be possible for a slave to get through a day when he knows he's working to pay off somebody else's debt in the first century? And the only way you could do that would be by saying, I'm not working for this master. I'm working for the master. And I'm gonna use my gifts to the best of my ability as if I were doing this very job for God himself. Now, you do realize this is how you change a city. This is how we change the valley, your attitude at work. I mean, man, if you're at work and you're complaining and moaning and plotting with others how to assassinate your boss and you're gossiping about Carol across the room or Johanna on the other side of the room or the account, whatever, you do realize this is not gonna do anything but affirm people's convictions that Christ followers are no different. Do you realize this is an agent? Your job is an agent for change. David Aikman, the former uh, Beijing bureau chief for Time Magazine, reports that Public Security Bureau in China monitors foreign presence across Chinese campuses and that they're well aware that there are Americans in China teaching English whose real motivation is to share the good news of the gospel. So the Bureau knows that there are Christ followers who volunteer to go and teach English in China. 
And they do it for the purpose of, on the side, preaching the gospel to those who would hear. But David Aikman says the Chinese government's torn. They're not sure what to do, and here's why. The quality of these Christian teachers is exceptional. They behave well. They don't get drunk. They don't flirt with the local girls. They don't have romantic relationship with other foreigners. They are diligent, and they don't complain. And Chinese leaders know that the top 15 countries rate on the respected prosperity index all possess a Christian heritage. So their bottom line is productivity in the economy, and they know that Christians are the best ones to bring over. Jesus would say to you, let your light shine, be a distinction, make the company better because of your presence, thus glorifying your God who is in heaven. Number two, second kind of person. You love your job, and in fact, you are your job. What would God say to you? He would say, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. But be careful that your work doesn't define you. Be careful that your work has not become your idol, that your work is what you trust and serve and obey. Be careful that you don't fulfill a legitimate need by illegitimate means. Don't let your job destroy your relationship with your wife and your kids and your family and everybody around you. Now, I know what you're thinking. I do. You're thinking, Pastor Jeff, no offense, but have you ever had a real job? <laughs> well, the answer to that is, yes, I have. I've had three of them. This is my fourth. But let me tell you what happens to me every weekend. Now, we're transparent. We're honest with each other, right? Okay, let me, let me, let me be honest. Every week, I, there's a part of me that looks out, and I think, will these people come back? Do they like me? And will they bring somebody with them? And if I'm not careful, I will become a slave to you rather than to God. And then my preaching will become shallow and I will tell you what you want to hear because we will be a numbers-driven culture. And I'm thinking, my goodness, if we're just about numbers, let's just get free beer at the door. We'll get every kind of, all kinds of people in here. <laughs> all because of the insecurity of the pastor. Be careful that your job doesn't define you. Three, you are young. All right, now we move to the last two, and these are the best. You are young and trying to discover what it is that you're going to do with your life. What would God say to you? He would say, whatever you do, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. But he'd say something else to you. And some of you older people, can you back me up on this? Guys, do not sell your soul for cash. Take less money and work in what you love doing. You will live longer. You will enjoy your life. Don't do it for the cash, man. Do it because friends around you have told you this is how you're gifted and you got this passion. You can't even imagine not doing it. Do you know what's happened to so many people in this room? That God wrote a great story into their lives. There's a great passion. They had it when they were young. And they said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But their minds started thinking, yeah, but it's not practical. Because I have to do this. I have to do that. And you tried to figure it all out. Rather than trusting that God would provide you power and wisdom along the way. And you got scared. And you settled. And now your life stinks. You guys in your 20s, don't do it. Pray that God would show you the way. And if you're working in your area of gifting and passion, then man, when you run, you will feel his pleasure. Now be careful here because Michael Green writes a book 
about the sacred-secular divide. And he says, there's no separation between secular and religious when it comes to your work. And it's, it's pastor, plumber, Christian cashier, deacon, dentist are not mutually exclusive because all jobs are Christian depending on how one's calling is worked out in the marketplace. In other words, if you work at Trader Joe's, if that's what you love doing, you're contributing to God's world, you're helping people flourish by selling them good food. If you're a construction worker, you're providing shelter for humanity. You have a godly job. If you're a teacher, you're helping young men and women increase in their knowledge of the world. And whether you mean to or not, ipso facto, by default, they're increasing in their knowledge of God. If you're a medical worker, you're participating in healing and well-being. If you're a lawyer, if... <laughs> you, know, you know, they say that 99% of all lawyers give the others a bad name. But seriously... I gotta, I gotta defend lawyers just a little bit here for a second because I've been hard on them. My friend called me a few years ago and said, Jeff, there's a, there's a lady that I'm close to that I've helped their family and she's living in Covina and she's in, she's in real trouble. Could you, do you know anybody in your church that could help her get citizenship and help her go through the process and land on her feet? And there was a lawyer in our church that volunteered probably, I don't know, somewhere around 150 hours to make all that happen. There's another lawyer that attends our church that I can call 24-7 any time of day and he will walk me through the legalities because when you're a church this large, you're susceptible to lawsuits and all kinds of stuff. And he will walk me through and answer any questions, never send us a bill. There's another lawyer that works in our church that works specifically in the area of abused women. So women who are stuck, who are being abused but have no way out, he rescues and he gives all of his time through legality. So be careful. There are good lawyers. There are. Do you really think that that work is not spiritual? It is. If you're a plumber, you provide comfort. We need running water. We love you. If you're a cabinet maker, we love you too because you provide beauty and art. If you're a Walmart greeter, you have the gift of hospitality. It's in the Bible. Whatever you do, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And then here's the final one. And this is, what I, this is how I want to end. You are afraid of what might happen if you begin taking seriously the truth that there is a calling and gifting on your life. Some of you think, man, I don't even think this. I know what he's saying is true. I remember those days. And you think it's too late. To the young, middle-aged, and old, I say, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make straight your paths. I, I spoke with a young lady, probably 35 years old. I met with her and her parents over coffee. And she's got a good job. She's had that good job since she was 21. She makes good money. But the more we talked, the more she just, her eyes well up with tears. And after a while, it was very clear what was going on. She had a passion from the time she was 21. She's been very good with those in poverty. She's like a Mother Teresa. And she also felt the call of God to go to India and work among the poorest of the poor. But she got up to a point in her life, she just didn't realize, how can that happen? How can I do it? How? And so she fell for the lie that it's not possible. So she's been working this job for 14 years. And when I started to tell her, Jennifer... Do you realize these 
organizations exist. And all you gotta do is make a phone call and they will coach you through how to get you there. She just broke down in tears knowing that she could do this with her life because it's what she wants. Remember Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia reads a story and it's a great story, the best story she'd ever read and then she closes the book and no matter how hard she tries, she can't remember it. But then every time she reads a good story after that, she makes the comment. She says, I know this is a good story because it reminds me of a story I once read even though I can't fully remember it. This is you. There's a story that's been written into your life. And had you trusted God with this passion and gifting that you had, day by day, he would have given you power and wisdom along the way, but too many of us settle for the cash. But you know the story's there. Because when you see somebody or hear of somebody doing what you wanted to do, your heart jumps. The problem is you're just far too practical. And you think you've got to have everything figured out before you take step one. And God doesn't work like that. It's day after day as he opens the door, you walk in and wait for the next door. And then you walk in that one until finally you find yourself at the place, the story the story that was written from the beginning about your life. Man. If you got a job, glorify God in it, but ask him if it's the right one. And if you hear the word no, good luck on this little journey you're going to go on. <laughs> and young people, this world has nothing of substance to offer you. But if you can find the passion and the gifting, then the rest of your life, whatever it is that you're doing, you will feel his pleasure. Father, I thank you for, even when we look at our work and how it changes us and how we can change and transform a society, that you've had a plan from the very beginning, that we have been shaped and knitted together. I thank you for those who are indeed working in their gifting and how they would have just been assured just now, hey, this, hey I, didn't, I, I didn't take more money to do something else. I've been doing what I've wanted to do all my life and God, is and God has provided. I pray there would be gratitude. I pray for the young people in the room that are in that point. What am I gonna do with my life? I pray that you would just overwhelm them that the reality of their giftings and talents that you gave them and their passion, the holy discontent. I pray that you'd give courage to those who are middle-aged and older who think it's too late. Some may have to go back to school. Some may have to take far less money and go into some kind of training. I pray that you'd give us the courage to trust you that on the other side of that <laughs> is running to fill your pleasure. My prayer is for everyone that we would serve you and serve you well in this community. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.
Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.